Good morning. Welcome to another Monday. This is the podcast Insanity, a Peace of Mind, and I am your host, Stephanie. Welcome to episode 34. This episode is going to be about wellness and well-being. I've been giving this a lot of thought lately, and I have come up with five different areas of well-being and then give some illustrations of what that would look like. You can find these all over. I mean, people are going to have different opinions and viewpoints of it, but these are the ones that I think are important. Mental well-being, which is a healthy sense of self, psychological flexibility, and the ability to take different perspectives. Spiritual well-being is your faith, values, and a belief in something bigger and more important than you, and potentially mindfulness or a meditative practice, which I also am giving its own category. And then I think there is emotional well-being, which is a healthy self-expression, a healthy self-perspective, your ability to make decisions the way you manage stress and your relationships. And then there's physical well-being, which includes your overall body strength, cardiovascular, your flexibility in your body, and your diet and nutrition. And then the fifth category for me that I have included is a mindfulness practice. And I think these are some reasonably all-encompassing ways to think about our wellness and well-being. And I've had this recurring thought come, and it is that we are not meant to be down here to feel or be miserable in any of those areas. And so that begs the question, how many of us are, why, and what should we be doing about it? And this takes me back to a couple of podcasts I've already done. One was a while ago called Movement as an Investment, and it talked about my journey into a very well-entrenched exercise and activity um, program. It's not a program, okay? I just do it. But what motivated me and what motivates my husband and I to continue this, um, and it was based on a book that I read called Younger Next Year for women. But the premise of the book is that we all are born and we all will die. And in that time frame, we will all age, but we do not have to decay. And decay is what we do when we are not caring for our physical well-being. And that really lit a fire under me. The other podcast that this brings to my Uh, attention or my brain when I think about it is the one about task management instead of time management. Because one of the big issues around well-being, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, is that we don't, we think we don't have the time, which is just a way for us to tell ourselves that we don't choose to take the time to invest in these types of things. 
if you remember in the that particular podcast, there are categories of tasks, one being quality. Quality tasks are the ones that improve your life. They pay great dividends, but they are the most difficult and the hardest to engage with because they include your mental health, your physical health, and all of those elements of well-being. And we opt out of those because the other ones are easier. With all of that in mind, the question you need to ask yourself right now is, how do you feel in these areas? Do you feel good, content? Are you miserable? What kind of work could you do to make things better? And how important is it to you? The reason you start with an assessment of where you are in all of these areas and then how important it is to you is because what you're going to find is to make changes and improvements, you're going to have to put in a lot of work. It doesn't come easy. And it's definitely worth it. So a uh, couple of stories. Let's talk physical. I don't think I'm going to do all of the categories, but I'll do enough that you can get the general idea. So let's start with physical. A couple of physical stories. My husband t- tells the story of something he read in a Reader's Digest. So there was a guy who was just miserable with his life. He had all kinds of trouble, which I do not know because I don't know the story well enough, but he decides that he wants to basically die. And the way he decides to do this is he knows he is so physically out of shape that he figures he can cause a heart attack if he starts to run. So he leaves his house and he runs literally until he collapses and he's unconscious. And then he wakes up. And he didn't have a heart attack and he's not dead. And so he has to walk back home. Well, not to be discouraged, he does it again. And the same thing happens. He runs and he pushes himself until he collapses and he's unconscious. And he does this and never does he manage to end his life this way. What he does manage to do is get in better shape, improve his physical well-being which was not what he set out to do, but he managed to put in the work that it took to change his physical well-being. I played around with the idea of some sort of exercise program in my life for years. As a young person, I was not particularly active. As a college student, I was incredibly thin and horribly unhealthy. As a young mother, I had as many excuses as you could possibly come up with, and anything and everything I tried, I couldn't maintain. For whatever reason, it was hard. I didn't make the right choices. I didn't make the right sacrifices, and I never really did anything. Then we started mountain biking and doing some skiing, and so those were incorporated, and then life changed again, and those went on the back burner. And I did workout videos at home. We owned different kinds of equipment, some that lasted, some that didn't. All the while I was managing to not make the full commitment until we had a series of health issues that we finally just did. 
we finally just decided to do it. And let me tell you, as we talk about it and reflect on the sacrifices that we have made to have a regular, to have regular activity in our lives, which includes hiking and biking, occasionally running, uh, strength training, yoga, it takes an enormous amount of time. And we make the sacrifices to do so. Now, we didn't used to, and we do now. And we are at a different time of life. So I'm saying every opportunity, every time, every different time in your life offers a different opportunity for you to make the investment. There's another story of a guy who the only thing he could do was walk to his mailbox. And he walked to his mailbox and he walked back to his house and then he collapsed. And then pretty soon the mailbox was the front part of the street. And then pretty soon it was the block. And then pretty soon it was two blocks. There is no time in your life that you cannot start improving your physical well-being. And it takes work. If it's nutrition, it's going to take work. If you have uh, celiac disease or gluten intolerance, you already know the effort that it takes to eat in a way to maintain your well-being. If you're a vegetarian or a vegan, you know. If you're the kind of person who counts your macros and your nutrition in that way, you know that it takes a lot of work. I'm not suggesting you have to do any one of these or any or even all of them or what combination to put them in, but you need to decide how important it is so that you can make the choices that improve your overall well-being. I'm going to move to spiritual now. It's a combination of spiritual and physical. And if I've mentioned this in a previous podcast, my apologies, but it meant something to me. So I started doing a little bit of running, trail running, and I would go by usually by myself trying to listen to podcasts or whatever. And then that never worked because I couldn't pay attention to them. And so I just started sort of meditating and praying and just having these moments for myself. And I would struggle with the run and it would be hard and I would find ways to encourage myself and I would be offering prayers and asking for insights and all kinds of things while I was running. And I remember coming around a corner. I remember exactly where I was on this trail. And I remember I was at the end of the run and it was an uphill and I was all in my head about, you know, encouraging me and, and encouraging myself and giving me all of these good, you know, pep talks and all of this mindful stuff that I'd been working on and everything. And I had this thought come to me, have you ever worked as hard spiritually as you are working physically? And the immediate answer to that was, I don't think so. And that's never, I've never forgotten that. I think of it often when I can feel my spiritual life, which includes my faith, my 
belief in something bigger than me, my belief in God, and my mindfulness practices, which I include in spirituality, I can tell when I am missing out. And this is probably two years later after that that epiphany or that impression that I had, and I still do not work as hard spiritually as I do physically. And I recognize that when I choose to do it, it has it is because I have been intentional with my time and I have decided to do something spiritual and uplifting in that way rather than engage in some other non-essential task. And I'm going to reiterate, it's hard. It takes work. It is sitting down and opening up my scriptures if that's how I'm engaging or sitting down in prayer and having a conversation with God and not letting all of the other things that my day is full of to get in my way. I have to pay the bills. I have to clean the kitchen. The garden has to be watered. The front yard needs to be mowed. I have to go to work. All of these things are good things and they get in the way of the investment of improving my spiritual well-being. And very rarely do I work as hard spiritually as I do physically. Okay, let's talk mental wellness and the work that needs to go into creating a better overall sense of our mental wellness. There's a lot going on in the world today, and without getting into the nitty-gritty of all of the stuff that we have to deal with and that makes us feel mentally tired or exhausted or depressed, there are things that you can do in your own home, in your own space, without running out and uh, paying somebody money to improve your mental well-being. And it takes work. That is the common theme. All of these things take work and you have to choose the quality tasks over the deceptive tasks in order to create this uh, habit of improving your overall well-being. In our mental wellness, we need to create a healthy sense of ourself. That is oftentimes goal-driven with us setting goals and accomplishing them. It is often times feeling like we are uh, working for a higher good. We are contributing to the world. We are trying to have healthy, happy relationships. We are listening to our center, so to speak, and working from a place of values and a centeredness. I'm using a lot of different words, but the idea is to be okay with who you are and where you are and what you're doing because it's right for you right now. And so that's kind of the beginning place and we might be flying all over and we don't feel that. And it's time to journal, write lists, see where you are and create a healthy sense of self. The other one, another one in mental is psychological flexibility. The uh, psychological flexibility means you are not rigid and you are able to see other sides and you are able to see 
that not everybody has to do something a certain way and you don't have to do something a certain way. That there is a lot of room in life for wiggling around to find better, more comfortable, and more healthy ways of interacting with our decision-making, with our partners, family, employers, wherever you engage in the world, to be psychological, psychologically flexible also means that you can take someone else's perspective, which is the third component of mental well-being. If you can change your perspective, you can change your life. And that's an important thing to remember. Changing your perspective means, again, that you don't have to hold a rigid view. You can see something from somebody else's viewpoint. You can engage in a conversation in a way where you are open to listening to somebody else's opinions and the way they see things. As long as you are entrenched in psychological inflexibility and you are unable to take another person's perspective, you are constantly in a fight mode where you always have to be right or it always has to be a certain way. And since the world is not going to uh, accommodate those kinds of needs, you will be unhappy and discontent and you won't have very much joy in your life and your mental well-being will not be well. How about mindfulness? Um, I think I'll just leave you probably with this. I am reading a book called Aware. It's by Daniel J. Siegel, same guy who wrote The Whole Brain Child. It is the science and practice of presence. He says, and I'm probably just going to quote it exactly. In the pages of this book, we will dive deep into three learnable skills that have been shown in carefully conducted scientific studies to support the cultivation of well-being. When we develop focused attention, open awareness, and kind intention, research reveals that we, one, improve immune function to help fight infection. Two, optimize the level of the enzyme telomerase, don't know if I said that right, which repairs and maintains the ends of your chromosomes, keeping your cells, and therefore you, youthful, functioning well, and healthy. Number three, enhance the epigenetic regulation of genes to help prevent life-threatening inflammation. Four, modify cardiovascular factors, improving cholesterol levels, blood pressure, and heart function. Number five, increase neural integration in the brain, enabling more coordination and balance in both functional and structural connectivity within the nervous system that facilitates optimal functioning, including self-regulation, problem-solving, and adaptive behavior, which are at the heart of well-being. This, I quoted exactly, is research-based studies that actually prove a mindfulness practice does all of these things. A mindfulness practice increases your mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being. 
he concludes this little section with, in short, the scientific findings are now in. Your mind can change the health of your body and slow aging. And it takes work. You can make it a Diet Coke practice where you get in your car, you drive to the gas station, you get a Diet Coke, and you practice mindful awareness. It can be self-compassion where you remind yourself that everybody struggles. It can be meditation where you take several minutes out of your day or 45 minutes or an hour out of your week and you set it aside to just be present with yourself. Any one of those things done regularly can help improve all of the components of your well-being and it takes work. I know that everybody has reasons that it's hard to get moving or it's hard to sit and meditate or it's hard to find time for your spiritual practice. We all have different things. We all have different times in our lives when things work and things don't. And we were not sent down here to be miserable. We were sent down here to thrive. And I don't know how many of us are actually thriving. And I would like to see more people thriving. That's the only word I can think of. I would like to see more people thriving. And I would like to see more people able to stave off the risk factors of heart disease and flu and diabetes, stroke, all of the things that decay our body because we have not optimized our well-being and closed the door tight against those diseases that most of us are at risk for if we are not working actively against them. My husband and I probably invest, oh, I would imagine 16, between 16 and 20 hours a week in our physical well-being. And I think due to scheduling, he might even be higher than that because of our different schedules. I know that seems like a lot. It seems like a lot to me. There are days when we are fighting each other and fighting ourselves about whether we are going to do the work that we have committed that we are going to do. And we push each other. And even when we're both feeling like we don't want to do it, we know that we will never, ever regret going out and doing something that improves our overall well-being. Anybody can start anywhere at any time on any day. There is nothing to wait for, nothing you have to get in shape for, nothing you have to prepare for. You can be the guy who walks to his mailbox. You can be the person who sits down with a five-minute meditation. You can be the person who has the fire lit under them to do the work. It is work. And the dividends are life-altering 
and life prolonging. Oprah Winfrey said, committing to a lifetime of wellness is not a luxury, it's a necessity. You'll never have enough time, you have to make the time. I challenge you to make the time, do the work, and reap the reward. Have a great week. Thank you.